me your ears. <laughs> this nation will rise up. Welcome to the Elemental Health Podcast. Delivered because certain people needed positive reinforcement and certain people need to be humbled. So we can reveal different movement deficits simply by having people try different tasks. Welcome, another episode of the Elemental Health Podcast. It really feels like this project is, is gaining momentum and I truly hope that you guys are finding um, awesome value in, in what I'm delivering to you guys and the people I'm bringing on. Um, it's, it's fascinating to me to get the insight from all these people and their view of the world and actually try to build some synergies. And that's what I'm, I'm doing in sort of the in-between episodes, as I call them. I'm trying to find some synergies and try to pull out the kind of the nuggets that are, are going to help you move forward and, and the bits that... I think are hugely important and are being repeated with our guests uh, throughout the episodes. Uh, this week is is another massively exciting one for me. Uh, we have the amazing Danny Clark from the Move Nat space, uh, which is all about natural movement, and it should really get your uh, brains whirring and your gears moving towards trying to understand why you're training how you're training and how you can improve your training think about things completely differently and start to really get a lot of enjoyment and a lot of benefit from from a, a new method a new a new way of thinking about things a, a new way to move your body um, it's something i'm hugely passionate about and and implement it with my coaching all the time I'm getting to people to move naturally um, and moving away from the orthodox way of kind of pumping iron, lifting weights, um, which for, for, for most of the guys I coach just isn't fun um, and it's not something they identify with. So um, to, to inject um, someone like Danny into the podcast and he's such a high level um, director of the MoveNet project um, and he, he, he really can um, help shift the needle and get people moving well. I really hope you enjoy this one, guys. As always, please give me your feedback. Um, let me know, and I will introduce Danny Clark. Danny Clark, welcome to the Elemental Health Podcast. Uh, thank yeah. you very much for joining us all the way from... Where are you based at the moment, Danny? Yeah, I'm in Vermont. And Vermont. Thank you so much for having me on, Nick. Yeah. Excellent. Cool. So um, the guys, the audits have already heard a little bit about you. Um, so we're just going to jump in straight with your backstory, really, and understand um, how you got to where you are today and in fact where you are today in terms of um, all the awesome uh, things that I, I can see you doing on social media. And, and that's kind of how I first connected with you. So I'm just intrigued um, into your journey to um, your evolution to where you are now and the move that stuff and everything that's pertinent and important to you. Yeah, yeah. So um, I guess we'd go pretty far back. I mean, I started wrestling when I was four years old. So that was sort of my first physical, seriously physical endeavor, which um, I continued all the way through pretty much through college, had some injuries that sidelined me in college. And then I continued grappling. Uh, and I also had a judo background. So I was well versed in sort of the, the combat sport martial arts aside from striking. And then continued to compete in grappling and jiu-jitsu and even integrated in some striking and did a little MMA and then just sort of realized that wasn't necessarily my calling as much as it was intriguing the actual pursuit of learning mixed martial arts uh, but you know ended up um, not pursuing that as a career uh, and, and 
after college, uh, I, well, I studied biology and archaeology in college, so I was more interested in human evolution and ecology and um, just the, the whole history of humankind. And, um, but after college, I didn't really want to pursue research necessarily, as much as I love being outside, and, uh, but it seemed like postgraduate work mostly steered you toward a lab. And I, again, being a wrestler, being a really physical guy, I just didn't want to go that route. I knew there was something about my physicality that really made me feel alive, and I didn't want to start leading a sedentary life. So I started pursuing fitness, being a personal trainer, starting at a Gold's Gym, sort of just doing what I was comfortable with and knew, which was strength and conditioning. Um, as you know, as a as a as a wrestler, strength and conditioning was always used to sort of supplement my my training. And so I wanted to be able to help other people who maybe didn't have an athletic background embrace some of the physicality that comes with strength and conditioning. But as I quickly realized, most people don't come into a gold's gym necessarily a for a broad goal, like being more physical. It's usually a little bit more like I just want to look better, lose some body fat. And secondly, they also come in with uh, a little bit more of a, a movement deficit than I had in a lot of ways. So they're, you know, almost by definition, being a higher personal trainer means you're usually a little bit older, usually, not always. And um, so, yeah, I was dealing with people who are looking for mostly superficial goals at first and sort of maybe expecting even a more bodybuilder-based approach and also coming in with, you know, high levels of movement dysfunction, which at the time I wasn't really aware of what that meant or didn't have that understanding, but I just saw the obstacle. As a, as a coach, I was like, man, these people are, are either getting more injured or they're really having trouble making progress because they can't control their body in certain ways that I maybe more intuitively could. Paralleling this whole journey, though, even me at 21 or whatever at the time, I was also experiencing pain, starting to feel the pain and discomfort associated with my sport and my strength and conditioning approach. So all this kind of came together and pushed me down the rabbit hole a little further. Okay, how can I help people embrace physicality in a way that's um, sustainable, even regenerative, and um, but also physical, like helps them get in touch with uh, how awesome it feels to move and to use their body in the ways that we really don't in our modern culture anymore. So I went down the trajectory of like kettlebells at first, more like functional fitness and, and you know, movement screening, and even some yoga, try to relax and release and expand range of motion. And these helped both me personally and professionally because it more directly addressed some of the issues that a lot of people have, that being high levels of tension or, or mobility, and then also just, you know, lack of motor control and stability in their body. Um, but ultimately, it still wasn't addressing the, the core of the issue to me. Um, I was working at the time I would sort of get disillusioned constantly and leave the industry because I just didn't feel like what I was doing was super effective. And then I would come back. And I was at the time when I found MoveNet, I was in a sort of disillusioned state because I was working, I was running a small gym in Connecticut, working with mostly 50 and 60 year olds. And I was having both an existential crisis in the sense of like, why am I even doing this? Like, what does this really mean in the greater context of the world? Like, am I just kind of serving the, the rich or what, what am I doing? And then secondly, a lot of what I, I needed to dig so deep into my toolkit to help these people who are super stiff, super uncoordinated, and just 
overall super disconnected with their body. And I was like, you know, using FMS, I was trying to do everything to the highest standard possible, but also keep them engaged, not just turn it into physical therapy so that they could connect with why they're doing this too. So I found myself disillusioned with what I was doing. I mean, it was effective. I was, you know, again, in a lot of ways privileged to be even making a living doing something like what I was doing, but um, I'm an idealist and uh, wanted to just get a little deeper into the whole thing. At that time, you know, I found myself searching for inspiration in a lot of ways, like a lot of us do sort of thumbing through YouTube. And uh, I came across this video called The Workout the World Forgot. It's about 10 years old now, but it was really brilliantly produced. And it, what it was, was this guy, Erwan Lacour, this French dude, um, just moving through nature. And it struck a chord with me. The chord wasn't immediately like, oh, this is what people need to be doing to connect to their bodies and become more functional and feel better in their bodies. I was like, these are some pretty athletic movements. Um, but there was, a there was something about it, probably being an outdoor and a nature lover type of guy. Uh, there was an introspective quality to it. There was a beauty to it. There was something about it that I couldn't really describe that really intrigued me to go test it out. And just see like, okay, maybe not for my clients. They're not going to be climbing trees and rocks and doing all this. But for me, this seems to be something that is at least in the direction that I want to go. And let's just, you know, I joke around with everyone to this day. I'm like, I just had to go see what this hippie was about. You know, if he had anything of substance that other than this, uh, this beautiful idea of moving in nature. And lo and behold, it, he did. Because I went and trained with him in uh, Mexico, did a retreat. And I was just totally floored with what he was doing. I'm somebody that doesn't like to just like take on a system or one way to approach things necessarily, but the principles he was operating under this idea that humans aren't meant to specialize and that, and that the idea of technique and approaching movements through technique and mindfulness, as opposed to um, just muscle based isolation and putting it in the context of environment, um, which may sound really abstract to people who are listening to this if you're in the traditional strength and conditioning model but the more i experienced it the more i took away a breath of fresh air for one in terms of my own practice and where it can go and then also what really surprised me was how incredibly relevant it was to the population i was working with the 50 and 60 year olds that as opposed to having them you know, do some functional abstract motion that's supposed to give them spinal stability or shoulder mobility. I started addressing these deficits that they had in actual real world abilities, that being ground movements, being able to sit and kneel, being able to get up off the ground, being able to walk on a narrow surface, like a two by four. So I was able to scale down what Erwan taught um, because he defined it so well and showed this progression and adapt it to a gym setting and really, really start to make meaningful progress with these people that not only address their functional deficits, but connected to their, their actual lives and how they engage with the world. So that, that's in broad strokes kind of what happened and why I'm, why I'm here, why I am, and we can elaborate on some of those points, but um, it's been an extremely rewarding journey. Wow. Um, incredible. Yeah. And, and the, you, you articulate it so well. I'm sure you, it's not the first time you've had to, to articulate it, but I didn't interrupt you because I didn't need to. Um, yeah, you kind of nailed all the points that I was thinking through in my mind and explained them, which is fantastic and works really well for the audience, I guess. Um, so a massive transition from a, a very traditional way of thinking about uh, fitness, quote unquote fitness, um, and, a, and a traditional background into, into something now. So that transition 
you know, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but is it has that sort of spurred your passion for helping health, well-being, and, and continued um, endeavors into that field? Um, because you said you're a bit disillusioned. So has that kind of given you the energy? That's exactly it. You know, like that's I think what we all want deep down is to tap into that intuitive, passionate, deep drive to do something meaningful in the world. And that's what I was always searching for through fitness. And I really couldn't find it. But the, the beauty of what happened is just through kind of following my, my sort of what I would call inner wisdom, I'm just sort of searching until I found what I was looking for. I was able to marry this idea of physicality and performance with my studies of biology and archaeology and human evolution, right? It's like these two things came together. And those, these are, of course, just things that intrigue me. But here's the thing, you don't really need to know human evolution and biology or anything like that. If you just understand that movement in its essence is, is about the way you are designed to move, just nurturing that in a lot of ways and putting it in the context of environment, connecting to nature or any environment other than, you know, a little bit higher level maybe than a sterilized gym, you can really make incredible progress. You don't have to be super subscribed to this idea of, or understand why it works. Just the, uh, the general idea that we aren't moving the way we're designed to move. Yeah. And, and we're not moving enough and we're, we're moving in, in ways that aren't natural to our evolution as well. I think there's, there's compounds, right? It's not, uh, yeah, we've, 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 you know, we see this in, in medicine as well. Um, we, 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 sterile environments cause our immune system to be much weaker. Do you know what I mean? It's it's almost a similar analogy. We're just compounding the problem with, with everything that's happening. Um, that's right. Yeah. This Um, big picture philosophy is what really drew me because I'm the kind of person, like some people get really like into, science and reducing and isolating and therapeutic application of physical therapy and stuff like that but that's that's not me um i think that's a beautiful pursuit too i really needed meaning and purpose and to connect it to like the greater understanding of the world and that's what i found through movenet in a lot of ways and that's really helped me and that's not to say for people listening to this sometimes the misperception is that you need to drop everything you learned and and be down this really high level understanding route of evolutionary fitness i think there's a lot of beauty in the conceptual understanding of how to isolate systems like strength like um, power like cardiorespiratory fitness or even joint health um we can take those lessons though and it's just about re it's it's about seeing the forest through the trees right it's about reassembling this all into the greater context of how to thrive in the world not just isolate yeah and yeah i couldn't agree more i'm i'm sold um the yes and that is exactly what i'm i'm trying to uh, reiterate to, to my guys all the time as well is because i think we see the elites and we hold them up to a standard and they obviously they have coaches that go super deep on, on strength and conditioning or or very specific scientific approaches. um, And they're diving deep on that stuff to propel themselves forward in, in a specific discipline. Um, But my belief is what the, the the kind of common man or woman out there isn't doing well is the basics, the fundamentals. Um, so it doesn't matter that they're looking at this high, very high level scientific approach to uh, a single task or single movement pattern. They're not doing the basics right. And that's kind of um, 
kind of along the same lines as what you're saying is that is the natural movement stuff is 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 more synergized with actually how we're supposed to live our lives and that's more therefore more valuable really yeah especially as you age when you're 20 and you're looking at athletes and the, and the attention they get and the, and the level of mastery they have in their particular discipline it's really sexy and appealing right but are we what are we looking at here we're, there's a difference between high level performance in a particular type of movement and the trade-offs that is uh, the the health trade-offs that exist in that space right like you're the person who's a high level athlete is way healthier than the person who's not doing anything but at a certain degree that person is not as healthy as someone who's just doing the things that allow you to thrive right like not slam in their physiology in every way that can we see this it's very obvious you know joint break on uh being an athlete isn't as glorious as it looks right you're not this apex of health unless you're 20 again and your body still hasn't accumulated the damages enough to slow you down and that's what scared me too as an athlete i was like man a lot of the wrestlers i know olympic level wrestlers these guys can't even walk when they're 34 35 my age now and and their 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 health their cognitive you know, it's, it's, they just don't seem like they're thriving. Mm. Whereas when we, so if we're going to look at what makes a human being thrive, not someone who's, especially us with our fitness fetishes and the way we look and this and that for the people who are clients out there and their goal is to just, I want to feel, I want to show up to my life as strong and feeling good as possible. I want to have energy and clarity of consciousness and the desire to interact with my kids and play and feel good. Um, then we need to look at, well, who's doing that? at an older age. And the reality is it's not athletes necessarily, you know, again, they might be a better example than than the general population who is sedentary, but we start to look at, well, where does that exist? And you, you look at, uh, that was the original inspiration of MoveNet and Method A Naturale through George Herbay was his observations that hunter gatherer populations of people have these like seemingly acrobatic abilities, not necessarily to the level of gymnasts. They're not doing flips, but they can squat deeply, they can move effortlessly, they can climb trees, they can hunt, they can do all these things and be happy and not suffer any of the osteoarthritic and autoimmune conditions that we, we have in Western culture or, or modern culture into a really, really long age, basically until they die. And so, and, you know, we can have like a, a theoretical, logical debate, not that you're going to debate this, but like on what is the right way to move the evidence is already out there though, right? Like we can see it, we can observe it. And that, the evidence of the senses is the highest form of knowledge, right? We can see what actually works. And that's, that's really what the evolutionary model of health is about. Yeah. And that's so, yeah, so many things popping in my head, but I just want to cover it. I know you've covered it already in a couple of different examples, but just to be really clear, the move that stuff. So um, for someone who's never heard that expression, never heard those words together, um, what is it? And, 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 you know, aside from what you said, or if you want to recover it again, um, and just the, the history behind it. Sure. So MoveNet stands for, and we're a physical education system for developing capability, which is both the, the skill and the, and the, and the, um, the, the work potential, the, the conditioning to be able to move um, through real world circumstances. Okay, so it's really just moving your body the way it was designed to move to be able to handle life, right? To be able to environments like nature, modern environments, urban environments, any environment. 
That's really what MoveNet is and what it stands for fundamentally. Now, if we look at the simple, again, from the outside perspective, like the real simple version of this is we're just getting you back in touch with all the different sort of domains that exist of movement from the biological perspective. Stuff like ground movement, stuff like gait patterns, like crawling and walking, even running and sprinting. Um, lifting and carrying, throwing and catching, jumping, climbing and vaulting are our main categories. And we we're taught in our culture to specialize and get good at just like, so we can be the best or near the best or feel really good in just one of those domains usually, or a few of them. Whereas move that's about, these are the thing, these are all things that we would need to be able to do. So at a baseline level, we want you to be able to equalize your skill set and do all of these things, at least to a baseline of efficiency. And so we don't, the key with MoveNet and what makes it different than its original uh, system of Method A Natural is we're not just telling you, okay, just go do these things and it'll solve everything. Because that's not necessarily the case. Um, we don't just want to throw you out in nature and just doing these movements in a gym. That, that can help, but it's not necessarily the way to do it, right? So what MoveNet is, is it's also a conceptual model for teaching movement, meaning we have clearly defined goals and progressions that help people rebuild their ability to do these movements in a way that's safe and helps expedite the learning curve and helps them achieve levels of success without feeling like total failures, right? Because a lot of us have these huge deficits to where like, if I just threw you out there and said, jump from this rock to that rock, stick your landing, you know, it's eight feet and it's an unstable surf, you're gonna fall and hurt yourself. Like why, that's not the place to start, right? So MoveNet is a framework for teaching. It's a system that helps you reconnect to all these natural movement domains. And then it's a base for anything else. You can layer on capacity or conditioning. You can layer on sport specific training. You can layer on whatever you want, but it's really the foundation as, you are, as you've already alluded to for movement. It, it is the origin of movement. Cool, cool. And so the the kind of common way of doing things, the common edicts. Well, I, I speak to guys and, and I explain kind of, obviously I'm not from the move that world, but a lot of my philosophies and ethos around training and coaching are, are similar to that in terms of being holistic and natural movement patterns. And a lot of the guys I speak to, they agree. They're like, yeah, that makes sense. It makes sense. And it does make sense what you're saying. I don't think you'd find many people who could argue that it doesn't make sense, but there are so many people kind of going to gyms, doing HIIT workouts um, and getting their kind of 20, 30, 40, 50 minute session in a day and then going sitting at a desk. Um, culturally, what, what beliefs do you think need to change for this to, to kind of embed more? Um, I believe that in order for any belief systems to change, it has to start with actual tangible experiential evidence and action, right? So my instead of waiting for a belief system to change which that could happen over time as our you know environmental circumstances dictate that we pay attention to our role in an, eco an ecosystem but from our angle as fitness trainers what we don't want to do is throw logic at people right like what i'm doing to you right now isn't going to work because they, even if like you said they're like yeah that makes a lot of sense but that doesn't apply it doesn't really directly apply to my life or my goals like right now I just want to look a little better and I have all this pent up energy or I don't really feel like moving. I just want to like move. I don't want to have to, to be like perfectly logical and you know, uh, 
So what I say to that is for aging adults, it's much easier because you can directly address their goals purely through movement. They're not necessarily going to be there to do as rigorous of movements necessarily. Like the percentage of people in a hit class that are over 40 is much lower than that, that age category below, you know, like, um, so at least some aging adults are going to just get it and they're going to, cause they're going to be there just to feel better. And they're going to be a little afraid of movement anyway. So this progression will help them. And it's moving that isn't just about movement perfection. It's really about, it's also about embracing your physicality in the same way we do with strength and conditioning or sports. Like there's, you can get an incredible workout with it too. So what I say is for the, for the aging adults, just go like you lead them and directly tie every movement to their goals and they will love it because they're going to understand the value of living and re-engaging with their life because they're, they're really far away from that. Now for that, that, you know, 20 to 35 year old group that's just in it for the sex appeal and uh, isn't mentally, again, they might appreciate the logic, maybe some of them, but that's not the primary driving force of why they're there. Um, you have to work with them in a lot of ways, you know, like I, what I, the approach I've taken in the past is give them exactly what they want head on, whatever it is, strength. Okay. We're going to barbell train. Okay. Conditioning. We're going to make sure you get your hit. You're going to, you're going to get whatever blend of anaerobic and aerobic conditioning you want. And then I sneak in the vegetables they need, you know, like I'll, I'll superset it in. I'll use it for warmups. And sometimes what happens is there's a mental progression that happens and they start clinging on to those movements and start actually enjoying them a little bit more because it does connect to their life in some way. Not always, but a lot of times. And then you can nurture that mental progression too. Yeah, that's exactly my approach. Exactly my approach. Be sneaky, give them what they want, especially in the group setting um, because people talk, right? So you show them something or you show them an imbalance or, 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 or like, you know, some hip flexibility movement and and you get some talking and and suddenly they're asking questions about the movement patterns and the warm-up that you've done and not about the 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 kind of the the hardcore cardio session that you've done it's interesting yeah and it can be approached very playfully too because the closer you are to childhood the more you understand the language of play so you can set up games or you can just set up obstacles and don't necessarily coach them just like if you put a two by four on the ground and tell them to crawl across it for, for someone who's really disconnected, they're gonna, that's going to be like scary and maybe even negative reinforcement. For, for, for people who are pretty active and really like to move and do things that are hard and challenging, you don't even have to coach them. Just let them try it and trial and error itself and can, can go a long way, you know, like just having them try things that are a little harder without even so much like breakdown of coaching and making it perfect. And then that can at least you, 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 you've got them to buy in first and then you can go backward and coach. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Um, I love it. And, and so it, why aren't we seeing more of this sort of stuff? I mean, almost, I kind of feel like, although we're talking about it and it makes sense, it's logic. Like you said, we are kind of still on the fringes of, of, of fitness, health and fitness. Um, I think that the big gyms might have something to do. What's, what's your take on kind of getting this more mainstream? Yeah, well, I think that we just need more people doing it. And that's moving that to growing phenomena internationally. And what we're doing is we are nurturing the people that get it right now through 
support through to, to certification so that they can communicate what they're trying to do better, more effectively and safer. And they have a network of people who understand what they're, what they're doing, what they're trying to convey. And then we nurture facilities that are dedicated to delivering the MoveNet method, among other things too. It's not like you have to only do MoveNet, but so through this collective energy, we're creating in a way an organism that's growing and that will over time, you know, come into a greater consciousness of what we do. Now, Erwan, the founder of MoveNet, just released a book called The Practice of Natural Movement, published by Victory Belt. Very reputable brand. Um, it's, being, it's the same brand that distributed Kelly Starrett's work. And so that's huge because now we have an actual sort of textbook of what natural movement is, what the practice is, and clearly defined. So it hopefully can't be, you know, screwed with too much on what, and what those terms actually mean. And um, that gives us more concrete, uh, more, more validity and social proof to work with to open up other doors. So it's this kind of thing where we're not waiting around, you know, we're, we're actively growing this movement. And I don't expect it to necessarily explode per se, but it's already growing extremely fast. And I am very confident within a very short amount of time probably if we if we have this conversation two years from now i don't think any you're going to be asking me how do we grow this movement anymore it's gonna be like oh this is this is something that's self-perpetuating it's growing like crazy because you know it's it's um it's it's in those early stages we're just you know we're we're nurturing our early adopters and we're seeing it emerge not just in fitness but in physiotherapy as well there's a lot of physiotherapy clinics that are aligning with us uh, we have people in various areas from China to the U.S. are, are uh, adopting this in the school systems in various ways. Um, we have, again, like leaders in the healthcare industry that are looking to collect, help us collect data and amass data so we can prove the concepts empirically, you know, um, and, you know, longitudinally, the research. So we're, we're, we're approaching it at all angles. So whether you're a person who needs research studies, whether you're a person who just needs to see a lot of people doing it, whether you're a person who is in, who enters into this idea because of a, an injury or a dysfunction, wherever you're coming from, you're going to, you're going to, the paths are going to lead to an education system like MoveNet and our facilities that align with us. Yeah. Awesome. And um, so d d digging into an example, um, I'm off on a slight tangent, but digging into it to an example of, of, kind of getting it into people's heads how so you know you've got i don't know you've got someone in their 30s they come to you they've had a, a, maybe a traditional background in in fitness training they've had personal trains before they've got a very sort of um traditional way of doing things and they come to you and they say look you know why should i train in your method what 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 um what benefits is it going to bring me now aside from everything that you said are there any things that you make them do to make them to that make those gears to whir in their head and think shit um okay <laughs> I, I didn't realize that that was an issue now it is are there any kind of like tools uh, and tricks that you use a, a movement patterns totally yeah yeah uh, the first le layer of this is bringing the the unconscious conscious right like you might not know what sort of deficit you're in in terms of movement ability or the amount of tension you hold in your body, all this kind of stuff. So we do, we, we've created screens and assessments that help make that. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
He's still there. Dude, like some people need encouragement not to be shown how horrible they are, right? So it's how it's delivered because certain people needed positive reinforcement and certain people need to be humbled. So we can reveal different movement deficits simply by having people try different tasks. One of the most common ones we do is, uh, okay, sit down on the ground and now I want you to stand up, come to a standing position and come back down as many ways as you can without using your hands at all. It's one way. Mm -hmm. Some people will be like, no problem. And some people will be like, well, I either can't figure it out or, oh man, the range of motion, I can't like get up. That's a really simple one. Another one will be like, just hold a deep squat for a minute. And if they're already somewhat mobile, okay, bring your feet together and hold that deep squat. How tense are you? Like all that kind of stuff. You know, how relaxed are you in this position? And then, you know, for people who are very athletic and maybe they don't even buy into this idea that mobility is important because they're of the strength mentality, then, um, you know, I would ask someone to uh, hang on the edge of uh, a wall or our, we have our cube equipment and climb up on top of it, see if they can do it. Or I'll have them hang on a bar in a gym and I'll say, okay, I want you to get on top of this bar. You don't have to like stand up, but just get your hips on top of the bar, right? And so maybe they're super athletic and they've done tons of CrossFit or whatever and they can do a muscle up, right? A power up. It's like, cool, show me another way. And you'll find really quickly that there's not really, like everybody has some sort of deficit. Even in the things they're already good at, they're all, because they don't ever train in an environment richer than a gym or think about tasks that are a little harder than what you find in a gym, there's always some kind of a deficit because, you know, we're not living a natural life in a lot of ways. We're, we're compensating for that with our exercise routines. So that's, that's just a couple common ways to do it. Um, and I think that the other, the other half of this equation to getting people to buy into the idea is to not to show off, but to, to like kind of show how you move, like embody it, your sense of relaxedness, your disposition, how you communicate with other people, your um, ability to, to show what, what they're trying to do effortlessly. You have to lead this idea. Like what's, what's more discouraging than when you see someone who's uh, trying to teach you how to lose weight and they're overweight themselves, right? Not to say that that person can't be a brilliant coach, but a part of it is really embodying what the person is trying to achieve, right? So um, that's, one, that's one factor as well. I think, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So you're, you, you also, by embodying it, you're, you know, you're moving that with the certification stuff, you're kind of creating leaders as well. That's going to promote your, your message. And I think that's, that's really key to any movement that's going to move forward um, and grow for sure. Yeah. That's the beauty of what it is. It's not everyone, the core, the founder, and that's, it's him and he's the God or something like that. Right. This is, we have a team. It's not me. We have a team of really, really good people who can move really well. And people who I think embody the greater, I, the greater disposition that, is conducive to being in touch with nature, which is a calm, centered, grounded, balanced, yet strong, capable, and confident demeanor. And that, I think, is really important. Yeah. And from exposure to nature, and we're adding in confidence and um, capability that comes with actually being able to move, not just meditate, right? So it's, 
the evidence is in itself. Nobody's perfect, but I'm really confident that our team, the people who are our biggest ambassadors running facilities or running events, they're all uh, people I look up to personally because they are um, just good human beings. Yeah, and, and I'm sure... I'm sure people are moving because there, there is a, a massive population out there that won't go near a gym. Certainly that's been mine experience. So this is, is something different again, isn't it? A different environment or a nat, more natural environment for someone um, to come out of their shell, move more and, and not, not go down the conventional um, maybe self-conscious route of going into a gym and, and going through those barriers and doing something slightly different. Um, and that's, that's been a big part of kind of everything that I've been up to. Um, people tend to be very gym adverse if they're happy to work outdoors. And it's for good reason. Um, in a lot of ways, you know, the, the gym culture was built around superficiality in a lot of ways or about sport performance. And let's face it, nine out of 10 people were, have not the most positive experiences and memories and circuitry built around movement from a very young age. They show up to gym class. It's kind of like, oh, this person, you know, is a, is a gifted mover and they're super athletic and they're very competitive and they have this drive to win and everybody else is kind of like second rate and they just kind of feel not good about it because our, our entire education system, physical education system is really built around sport and discovering how good you are at a sport. And, it, you know, uh, there's games too, for sure, but woven into the curriculum is really sport. And so a lot of people adopt this very are exposed to this very competitive model of movement from a very young age. So they don't, they don't, they think it's not for them. Ultimately they identify as an, as a something else other than a mover. They say I'm a nerd or I'm a artist or whatever, but this idea of movement, like movement is so incredibly fundamental, just like thinking is like, it's so incredibly fundamental to being a human being that it's a shame that all these people are, are thinking they're not, they're not supposed to move and they've really in a lot of ways you can another way to say it is our culture has repressed the instinct to move that is innate in all human beings and i don't mean just five-year-olds i mean 60-year-olds too to move is to experience the world and to and, and a huge part not the only part but a huge part of enjoying the experience of life and it, and i don't mean like it has to be these huge people incredible feats we all look up to i mean just walking just playing just interacting with your kids just hanging on some monkey bars just sitting next to a tree and being comfortable and not in pain and tension these are human birthrights throughout a life that we have been denied in a lot of ways through our culture because of this we're taught movement is only for athletes in a lot of ways if you're not going to become an athlete you need to start just kind of being in your head and getting into a computer and sit still and um or be a be an artist or whatever so it's, it's really deep in a lot of ways and the beauty of it is it can it can be unpacked and deconstructed and brought back to life and then it's like you don't even need movement anymore at a certain point you know of course you can use it as a way to progress infinitely through um become infinitely adaptable to your environment or whatever high level pursuits you want but if you understand the principles and you reawaken this drive to move and, and build this joy around movement, then that's that's really the, the magic. Then you could then you do with it whatever you want and move however you want. I love it. Um, and I think we've removed. It, uh, there's you know a, an immaturity associated with play, 
And I think that that equation is really messed up. And, you know, from a, from a young age, you're taught to be sensible and grow up and, and not play and not do the things that, um, the, the movement patterns that we associate with play. And, and as an adult, you know, people look at you funny if you, you know, walk around without any shoes on or you want to climb on something as a grown up, you know, there's those so many stigmas, aren't there? The culture has, we just created these, um, the, these stigmas and these kind of ways of behaving really that just um, inhibit us doing what we're naturally built to do. That's kind of the way I look at it. Yeah, the layers of repression in our culture are deep. Like you have to cut through so many layers because there's no reason that an adult can't play. If anything, play is the medium that helps you get in touch with intuition. And um, and just as, as one of our instructors, Oki, said to me, that really resonated with me. It's, it's a way to express yourself you know, in a non-communicative, not a non-verbal um, and abstract way, in a really tangible, tangible way with someone else, where you're sort of making this agreement that you can just be yourself and you can just do whatever you want to do and interact in a way that's very pure, in a way that's where we can remove some of those filters that get brought into the equation when, when there's communication and we're speaking very logically and we're talking about work or we're talking about whatever we talk about in our culture, you know? So it's, it's a, it's a really nice medium. I don't think play is the end all be all. I think that the drive to become more capable is equally a part of being human, not to maybe the level of um, moving that level three trainer, but at least the ability to feel really confident to navigate basic situations and feel like not be, not be so afraid of falling, not be so afraid of um, balancing, not be so afraid of lifting something up because you're going to get hurt. Like all these things are a product of our culture and our, and our disconnection from ourselves. Yeah. And, and taking it one step further, the, the implications of not moving well and just not moving and um, not having great balance as you get older are huge. Um, you know, we, a lot of the vascular disease that we see, I think, you know, if you moved more if, and a lot, you know, the neurological deterioration if we moved more if we had more sense of proprioception the balance and all that all that um all, all those things were a priority then things would be very different you know uh, i know that firsthand experience my mum has got very very poor balance and and um and i think that's just come from uh, you know this inbuilt fear to moving to, to to playing to have that um that aspect in her life for so many years and and now it's it's problematic and i see that in clinical practice all the time um they build up these fears and it becomes worse and worse in the mind first and then guess what the bones become very brittle brittle and when they do have a fall because their fear of falling actually makes them high, higher risk um then they end up breaking stuff um and it just you know i, I think it's easy to look at it um as kind of a bit of fun and, and yeah, we should be playing more. We should do, be doing this. But I think there's a, there is a, a real serious undertone um, when you get older. And um, I, I just yeah. want to em emphasize that and get your view on that as well. Yeah. Well, I think that's, that's the problem of therapists in a lot of ways. They're, they're doing the best they can with the, within the framework they're working under, but the framework they're working under is through the, the scientific lens of, you know, hypothetical deductive reasoning, which is about isolation and reduction. And if we just isolate our different systems and try to solve all the issues that happen as we age, when there's a fundamental disconnect with nature and movement, 
it's, it's like an uphill task. How many systems do you have in your body, right? Like we, we, I, we have so much going on from our cognitive, re, from our cognitive system to our, you know, our, our musculoskeletal system to our bones to everything. If we try to isolate each one and try to fix it as problems come about, it's a really uphill battle, right? It's not, I'm not saying it's in vain. And especially when there's an acute injury, like that's the way to go for sure. But if we look upstream, we, we, we find exactly what you're talking about, what you just mentioned, which is our nervous system. This, this, the, really what governs all of this, all these systems is governed by our nervous system, right? And what affects our nervous system really profoundly that, that we don't, that's way underappreciated is movement itself. Mm. It's movement itself. It's a reason we have a brain to begin with. There's uh, a great Ted talk about this, this uh, species of sea sponge that has this brain and they, it, it, it kind of moves around in the sea until it finds a spot where it wants to, to, uh, to, to become rooted and to stay and to just feed and to live. And as soon as it finds that spot, the first thing it does is digest its nervous system. And the reason is because your nervous system fundamentally at the most, it's not, it's not there. So you can, um, you know, sip a fine wine and 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 contemplate the meaning of that or or even even really science it's that's that's how we're using it which is great it's amazing and it's i think a part of being human too it's a big part of it but a big part of it at least even at our level of complexity in our brain is about movement it's originally our brain was developed to help us survive better and a huge part of that survival is movement we, it's, it's so inextricably tied to being a human being. It was anyway. And we've disconnected that. We've made that not a requirement anymore. We've outsourced that with technology. And not to say technology is bad. It just reflects one aspect of our nervous system, our brain, our reasoning that allows us to survive. But there's this whole other part of us that we've been neglected. So point in check is if you don't start with the nervous system, if you don't start with movement, you're, you're – you're trying to find a needle in a haystack. You're, you know, you're trying to figure out a problem that isn't there really. Mm. The problem stems with your nervous system. And there's, there's so many studies now that are coming out that are showing to stimulate your brain to actually rebuild, to regenerate brain tissue and make a more complex, robust brain where there's neurogenesis happening, neuroplasticity, synaptogenesis, all this like building of brain matter. Um, and, and the, the, the things that come with that, like better working memory, better reasoning, all this kind of stuff happens through complex movement and complex environments, not fitness. Fitness, mm. purely exercise, just stimulates blood flow, which is great. That's, a, that's better than nothing for sure. But at the level of your brain, no changes happen. Whereas, mm. you know, this, 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 what we're talking about here, natural movement and tying it to environments and at least moving in a gym environment does build that so yeah we talk about aging well um you got to address this type of stuff right like if you're purely just trying to live as long as possible and live a, a rich life um and not see your cognitive abilities decline you have to stimulate the fundamental aspect of those abilities which is your brain yeah I, I can just feel so much passion and, and knowledge coming through when you say those things you could just we really keep going um yeah. And so the, you said complex movement. And so the science now is showing us that we need complex movement and something else. What were you saying? 
complex movement through complex environments complex environments that's it yeah i think that's yeah. that's a point really worth emphasizing yeah, um, because if you're just doing back bends and flips like that's cool that's great you're moving your body in these novel ways but your ability your brain is stimulated by reading your environment right like when i have a trail in front of me or not even a trail i have to like analyze interpret remember where things are my spatial reasoning is stimulated to like level a hundred, whereas being in a gym and deadlifting a barbell, it's stimulated at like level one, right? Like it's just not the same thing or even doing a flip. It's not enough to stimulate your actual perceptual abilities of your brain. So you need an environment. Again, even if that environment is, I'm going to walk on a two by four and then I'm going to go over this soft box and then I'm going to crawl under this thing and I may have to adapt my movement because there's something in the way and then I got to push something like that's enough. It doesn't have to be like this esoteric, beautiful, natural movement, Erwan Lacour, work out the world, forgot practice. It doesn't have to be to get the minimum effective dose to stimulate yourself. Hmm. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and we all want to take it to the extreme like oh move that now i'm going to be this and it's like well you don't it doesn't need to be that way you're and when you start adapting that mentality this extreme mentality you're going to start turning off everybody else who's maybe not as into it as you so it's important to even if you're embodying this practice at a high level like communicate it in a way that allows people who live normal lives or maybe even like really kind of um lives that I don't think are suitable for human beings, but unfortunately some of us get locked in these jobs and stuff that are really, really hard on the body. Yeah. They can really benefit. They can really enrich their, any step forward in this progression is, is beautiful and it's where we need to go. Yeah, I agree. And I don't know if you're aware of the, I'm sure you are the blue zone studies that that everyone's talking about at the moment. We don't, we don't see um, those populations that are living long, healthy lives. We don't see them doing loads of quote unquote fitness or loads of quote unquote training. It's a very natural, organic movement, um, low level activity movement throughout the day and obviously healthy diet and all that uh, culture, stress and communication, all that stuff. But we don't, we just don't see that kind of like, the fitness fads or any of that stuff. It doesn't exist in those really healthy um, kind of microcultures that that are being studied so much at the moment. We just, um, we need to think uh, differently about kind of the, the environment we're going into to train or, or the way we're approaching um, health full stop. You know, I, I don't even like the term fitness anymore. That's kind of like, I find myself becoming more and more extreme in my views as I'm getting older, but you know, because that in itself pigeonholes something into a 40, 50, 60 minute session every day. And then we forget about it. You know, it, it just doesn't gel with a, a well, um, well thought out um, health plan. That's going to see you good um, as long as you want it to, you know? Yeah. And I think that the, the, the problem is really, it's a, is it, it needs to start from the ground up if we're going to change meaning we can't just suddenly adopt these cultures way of life. We're too disconnected from nature and from each other to do that right now as it stands. There's no like policy we can implement that's going to make this type of shift happen. It's not going to happen. It's got to be the underlying philosophy that changes the current of how we do things. And that philosophy can be really as simple as it really starts in a lot of ways with movement. When you can connect to yourself, you don't even have to show up as you're alluding to, to a gym and do MoveNet. If you start using some a structure, a framework like MoveNet to resuscitate your connection to your body, 
and it's and its ability to move through the environments that you already move in. What I mean by that is when you get up in the morning, when you uh, when you do your daily tasks, when you walk to the car, how you get in your car, um, what you do during your lunch breaks, what you do at your office. If you just gain that basic kinesthetic sense and awareness, that level, those levels of self awareness also translate over to other things in a lot of ways for people. Your self awareness of how you move can also lead to your self-awareness of how you engage with other people and how present you are because when you're present with movement you're being you're in the present moment it's like meditating on instead of your breath exclusively like in meditation you're you're meditating essentially on your kinesthetic sense of proprioception and extraception right so if you can that's a good starting point instead of just being just breath now we're doing kinesthetic senses and then we can start meditating or focusing on hey how how do i engage with a person how how do i feel my body what is my body language how does am i looking at their eyes or their face like where are my where are my thoughts so i guess what i'm saying is movement maybe not the only entry point but it's a really strong entry point into creating the change that we want to see because as we start doing this we start the self awareness perpetuates to how we do everything yeah and it's it's yeah you hit the nail head it's it's that it's it's about self-awareness and being present really because you're challenging yourself enough so you're actually having to focus and being present and i think nowadays there's such a disconnect and everyone's doing things in their sleep kind of almost you know you're on instagram or facebook or whatever and, and you just things are becoming so um you're so reactionary and you, everything's so automatic in the way your brain processes all this noise because there's just so much coming at, at you when you just slow it down and try and um like you say, do a, a complex movement pattern, maybe in a, in a new environment, you're forced to be present. And that in itself is, is such a, a valuable um, sort of moment in time where you're kind of taking stock and, and, uh, you know, and, and gives you that flow state as well that, every, that it's just becoming harder and harder to find. I mean, if I always use the analogy of surfing, you know, everyone always talks about feeling the ocean and feeling the flow, but you, you, you have to be present because you're in an environment where everything is moving. Do you know what I mean? You're forced into that state. So anything um, like all the stuff that you're talking about, anything where you're kind of creating a situation where you're going to have to suddenly be present and do things that are um, forcing you to be in the moment is for sure going to give you a, a sense of, of, a huge sense of well-being. Yeah, I think, I think uh, what you just said is, is right on target. Motion is inherently forced mindfulness. I think it's a better entry point to mindfulness than sitting and breathing and trying to meditate with and adopting some esoteric philosophy of Eastern, usually descent that that's great. But that was that, that whole philosophy was centered around from a whole different time frame. The context matters, right? They weren't in as much of a deficit as we are now when these systems were created and they were a language that was adapted to that particular culture and the religions that existed the modern mindfulness practice entry point I think should be movement and it should be natural movement because it's connecting you to something outside of yourself, which is really a, a part of mindfulness. It's a fundamental part of mindfulness, right? Yeah. I, I, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. My brother, man, I couldn't agree more. Um, awesome. So I've got a, a couple of quick fire questions and then we'll, we'll, we'll kind of find out where we can find more about this, everything um, MoveNet um, related and, and where, where we can go and sign up and, and do all the bits and pieces that you're doing. So um, the, the question I ask all my podcast guests um, is um, what does health mean to you? Health, health means um, 
thriving in life. It means waking up, feeling the energy inside of you, feeling passion, feeling excited and inspired, and finding meaning in your life through connecting to the deeper parts of yourself, your intuition, and, and ultimately nature. I love it. Very concise. Um, and how, how, what, what advice would you give to someone who goes, who trains maybe at the gym regularly, but they know deep down they've got some imbalances, um, yet they're, 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 they're a little bit uncertain, I guess, about moving outside their comfort zone. Um, what would be kind of some, some, I don't know, some generic advice? Yeah, I think that it's about reframing the question in a lot of ways. When you say imbalances, the current train of thought that goes through people's minds because of our cultural conditioning and our way of thinking is I have a shoulder mobility issue. I have a back, lower back pain issue. I have a, a neck tension issue. Stop thinking about issues that are localized on your body because your body is an integrated ecological whole. Start figuring out if you have a ground movement issue or a balancing issue or a lifting issue or a climbing issue, where in your ability to move through the world is, does the breakdown occur? I think that's a really good starting point. And it, and it can simply be a breathing issue to start. Like find somewhere in the actual movement output that isn't, that's your deficit and work on that weakness. And to do that in a gym is really simple. It's like if, if it's, um, you can set up really basic things and do really basic things. You just, you, you do, unfortunately, like we're already talking about, you have to look outside of what our culture, the groove that our culture has created, which is going to steer you toward machines, toward superficial methods or isolation of systems, right? So you, you, you have to take that initiative and set the intention that I am going to discover and figure out how, how to solve this problem. There's no, there's no way other than that. Hmm. Yeah. And I think the emphasis, yeah. Awesome answer. I think the emphasis as well for a lot of guys and girls that I meet that are kind of into fitness, um, is just to slow down and, and think about how they're moving, um, and not, not worry about kind of competing all the time. I, I think that's kind of what I hear myself saying quite a lot is, you know, you, you, that there are movement patterns that they can't do because they're focused so much on something that's, that's in, intrinsic. Hate running. I used to hate running with a passion. It hurt my lower back, and I and flat out as a competitive young athlete, I sucked at it. I was like, when we do like longer runs, if I was if we were sprinting, I was first. If we were past a mile, I was dead last behind the heavyweights. And so I had all this like these nasty thought patterns and inhibitions surrounding running that I didn't think I was a runner. It wasn't for me. Blah blah blah. I hate running. But when I when I do exactly what you're just saying, I just focus on rediscovering the enjoyment and the sense of running and working on making it feel good in my body through technique and through mindfulness. I love running now. And yeah, who cares? I'm never going to be, it's never going to be my pay or my thing that people are going to compliment me on, but I don't really care. It's, it's a part of being a human being and to, to, to be able to do it at a baseline level makes me a lot more confident, capable and happy. Yeah. And that's, that's important for, for, for overcoming the kind of the, the egocentric um, part of, Oh, I don't want to feel like I don't know how to do something as well. And, and, you know, ultimately that's why we need to reinforce the learning mind 
so we're, we're constantly in that learning state, the beginner's mind, the not really knowing what we're doing because that's, that's where the development and growth comes from. I, you know, that's, that's what I believe, but a lot of people have got that, um, cassette in their tape. I'm showing my age, but cassette in their tape that, um, that they, they have to be good at everything. Yeah, man, I totally agree. <laughs> you don't because that's, nobody is good at everything. And a lot of us, no, yeah, nobody is really good at everything necessarily. And it's not about that at the end of the day, you know, it's not about that. Awesome. Um, Danny, where can we find out more about you? Um, where should someone start as a basics? I know you've got loads of resources, but I'll, I'll let you describe um, how you want people to interact with you and, and, and sort of start their journey in, in the MoveNet space. Yeah. So MoveNet.com is going to be the main resource for all of our um, philosophy, videos, journal articles, just information about what we do and where you can sign up for an event, which is what I always encourage people to do. Um, we also have resources that are, if you can't make it to an event or maybe there's one not nearby and you don't want to travel, we have a new online e-course where we collaborated with Katie Bowman for fundamentals and we're building out our e-course infrastructure as we speak. Um, I would recommend you sign up for our newsletter, of course, because then you're getting fresh information constantly um and then we have resources again the website's the main spot but like if you're like where do i start to actually build this practice even if you don't if you can't afford the e-course which is going to like consolidate it and make it a really simple at home beginner friendly way to do it we have videos i have videos for whole life challenge i have a whole restoration series which is follow along um we actually sell like a circular mat so that you can just move, just designate a little space in your home. And it's like as long as a yoga mat, but it's a circle. So it's not as linear and confined as a yoga mat. And if you create that little space and you just start with some simple things, even if it's like five minutes of ground movement in the morning, uh, that, that'll make a bit really profound difference. If you're the type of person that wants to connect with, you know, like see someone doing it, who's relatable. Um, not, you know, there's Erwan who's, uh, relatable to some, not everyone, <laughs> and, you know, anyway. there's me, I'm on Instagram. Uh, I put out videos, natural.mover, Erwan is Erwan LaCour. And then we have a whole team of instructors that if you go to MoveNet Instagram, you can probably find them through, cause we repost their stuff. Uh, we, with a wide range of age, ages from doctors to women to every age demographic we have, we empower and we trust a lot of people to, um, to be ambassadors for us. And so definitely just find whoever most resonates with you. That'd be the, probably the best way to start. Yeah. And, and you guys, you guys are worldwide, aren't you? I saw you had some stuff going on in London um, and obviously all over the States and, and Europe as well. Yeah. Again, yeah, it's international. And if you're thinking about doing the, the, the certification, I would say go for that. Because even if you're not necessarily a teacher, you're going to learn how to teach yourself, which would be really effective. Um, but if you are an educator in some way or instructor or trainer or whatever, um, you know, get certified because if you're interested in this type of thing, having a, a theoretical a framework to help you structure and understand even how to speak about movement without just talking about muscles and isolation is going to change the way you coach, even if you don't become a full on movement adopter. Um, so I always like to plug that, you know, like it's, it's, it's not just about, the movements themselves that you see like that's that's just scratching the surface it's how to teach those movements where the true arts and science really comes into play cool awesome 
Thank you very much, Danny. Um, I really appreciate your time and, and thanks um, from my audience to you. It's awesome. Yeah, appreciate um, you, Nick. Thanks for having me on. No worries. I've, um... There you go, guys. Another episode done. Hope you found it as beneficial as I did. I really loved the, the, the statements that Danny made and, and the comments that he's got and, and everything that he's doing um, in the health space, really. Please go over and follow uh, Danny at natural.mover on Instagram and movenat.com is where you're going to find all the other resources that we talked about. Um, and also in the show notes, I've put a link to the um, awesome YouTube um, clip that we mentioned as well. Um, I believe it's called The Workout the World Forgot. So please check that out as well. It's incredible um, with the, the founder of, of MoveNap. Another episode done, guys. I hope you appreciate it. I appreciate your support as always. Um, and please keep sharing this movement and sharing this podcast. Um, you can go across and um, subscribe. It's always good. And leave us a review on iTunes. But arguably, what I really want you to do is share it with someone actually tell someone about it and get them involved and get them listening and get them to to think about their health and and start moving their health in the right direction Um, hope you're all doing well and until next time take care